It is Tuesday, January 12th here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schaff. With me tonight are Mike Shope and Adam Krautwurst, the duo from the weekly DS Invitational podcast. We'll be taking a look at a wild first weekend of NFL playoff action, including some early returns from the FFPC playoff challenge, which of course we're all competing in. If you didn't jump into the playoff challenge last week, though, you get one more chance ahead of this weekend's games. The FFPC Playoff Challenge 2 follows the same rules as the original. You make a lineup with no more than one player from each of the remaining eight playoff teams. Of course, we are down to eight teams, so now you're just picking one player from every team. You don't have to decide which teams to leave out. We are back to standard FFPC offensive rosters. Um, You don't have to mess with kickers, no defenses, one quarterback, two running backs, two wide receivers, one tight end, two flex players in this one. FFPC scoring means it's one and a half points per reception for tight ends, regular PPR scoring for everyone else. It's $200 per entry, $50,000 grand prize. They are capping the field at 1,200 entries though. So head to myffpc.com now for more details and to register. That's myffpc.com. Mike, I imagine your golden boy from round one, Rams running back Cam Akers, is going to be a lot more popular this time around. He was about 10.6% owned in the opening playoff challenge, 10th among running backs. How much were you smiling as you watched the Rams game on Saturday? I was nervous. You know, it was one of those limbs that you want to make sure you don't embarrass yourself on. So it was really like that. I was on Bill's postgame on WGR here in Buffalo for about half of that game. And it started to really cook in the second quarter, Acres. Then by the time, actually, by the time I got to watching it, he had just gotten hurt. <laughs> um, I haven't heard anything bad about that for this week. Part of the reason I liked him, Matt, in ours is that if they were to have won against Seattle, the Green Bay matchup is good too. And with the questions about the Rams at quarterback and Cooper Cup's knee, there's more this week, but there was still an injury. or There was COVID, actually, wasn't it? what the deal was last week, you know, there were concerns about their offense. So I think acres was in a good spot. I'm happy about that. Nick Chubb. I don't know if I want to rush you guys into him, but I was really taken aback by his ownership in this. And I feel that all, all my best work is kind of negated by not having Nick Chubb on my team. I could see that Adam. What was your reaction to finding out Nick Chubb's ownership rate in this? Yeah, you know, you caught me right in the middle of looking it up. I don't remember exactly what it was. <laughs> um, but uh yeah, listen, speaking Mike was on fire. He I think he I think he slipped in a random uh are we not gonna have any juju? Like I think he was had one of those last week. Like, are we off of juju? <laughs> kind of like at well, the end of the conversation. What what <laughs> I remember, Adam, what I remember about that, <laughs> and I guess maybe I, I should check this first, but I remember asking the question, isn't something to the effect of isn't it possible that Pittsburgh is terrible? I yeah, mean, they, they they had one good half in a month. I know, and it was it seemed like well, Cleveland is the worst team in the playoffs. Cleveland's negative point differential. They never beat the Steelers. I, I feel a little bit bad about that. You know, I'm making the point about Chubb, but Cleveland was gettable, and a lot of people got it. You know, the thing that kind of stinks is a lot of people faded faded Cleveland, right? And we we faded most of Mexico. I think we had like a Jarvis Landry. You know, he had a he had a nice a nice little game for us, but. But yeah, it's it's every single Steeler hit, right? Except for maybe like James Conner, but he still had like 10 points. He scored. So, right, exactly. So it's like, even it's like, okay, well, you know, 
Um, at least we had the one Steeler that went crazy. It's like, no, every single Steeler went nuts. So that helps us, but it also helps everybody else too. So yeah, Juju hit, but Chubb, yeah, Chubb had a monster game. He just looks so good. They were having their way with the Steelers up front, which is really su- surprising. Like the Steelers front seven's good, but they just dominated them. And it just had that whole feeling of, you know, the, the Peyton Manning Super Bowl a bunch of years ago where the opening snap goes over his head against the Seahawks and it just kind of the rest was downhill from there. So, uh, but yeah, it was, it was a mess. And I, you know, I wish our, I wish our Landry was a Chubb, but I, you know, I'm not going to complain about it. So. Yeah. I mean, what surprised me about that game was not so much the Steelers, I don't know, losing it, but the Browns being ready to score that many points and things just going absolutely as wrong as they could for the Pittsburgh offense. I mean, you know, if you had told me that there were going to be five turnovers, including the opening snap flying over his head and neither James Conner nor Ben Roethlisberger and remembering how to fall on a football. <laughs> I mean, that game had like angels in the outfield, uh, that kind of vibe to it. Well, on one hand, you might think we missed something there with, with Pittsburgh or with playing Deontay Johnson, who had a huge ownership share versus someone else. But on the other, what can you do? I mean, how much of that can you expect to know? Uh, 28 to nothing like that. It's just, if it had happened to the Browns, it still would have been sort of amazing. Um, (laughs) Even with what we were talking about before. So in in the end with Johnson, anybody who did that, that was a lot of us, you know, you got a game out of it. And isn't that what you wanted? Like if, whether it was Deontay Johnson or Metcalf or AJ Brown, I'm happy about that, that distribution, by the way, with AJ Brown, Matt, I know you were, you were on that. What you wanted is what you got, right? You wanted 15 to 20 points, and they were going out. I'm a little surprised, I got to say, at just how high Derrick Henry's ownership is. I know that there are only so many running backs, and he's one of the studs, and we just finished last year watching them beat Baltimore in surprising fashion and then him have a huge playoff. So, you know, that obviously factored in, but he's up above 70%. He was, I believe, mm-hmm. second among all players in ownership, just slightly ahead of Devontae Adams. I thought that there would be a little bit more A.J. Brown mixed in, given that they were playing Baltimore first and given that most people seem to expect Baltimore to win that game. So I think that, I don't know, I looked at it and I thought we're probably only going to get one Derrick Henry game and it's against a terrible rushing matchup. I I mean, I I, I expect more than half the field to have him. I was surprised that it was as high as it was and that A.J. Brown worked out to the degree it did. You know, it's one game, so it's not that big a difference, but – uh, that was one of those things that surprised me a little bit. Do you think that that was a running back point, at least partly? Like Henry's reputation, he rushed, he rushed for 2,000 yards. So, yeah. uh, But I, I agree with you. And I wonder if – what I think one of the things we've tried to we, – we're talking about and tried to figure out is what the running back crop was actually going to look like. Chris Carson made sense. Uh, Ronald Jones, RIP. I know it kind of made sense. I mean, it was, it was tough at running back. The top AFC teams didn't give you anybody and the Ravens. I mean, Jackson was always the the right choice with the Ravens, but you know what that meant. That meant that he was going to be your quarterback and not somebody else who had a better chance of making it all the way. I I liked the idea of Jackson and I I sort of regret not pushing that harder, but again, like if they don't win this week, then you won't regret not picking them. Yeah, 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 that's true. And to go, so Derek Henry was seventy-one percent owned. I'm, sh- and I think that has a lot to do with you know you could start six running backs, you know, so there was plenty of places to put them, and not a lot of not a ton of running backs, obviously. So uh, I think that's why it was so high owned. But kind of is surprising to me is I don't know we're we're not there yet, but but he was you know Kelsey, he was higher than than even Travis Kelsey, who 
who I think uh, he was 65% owned, which I thought he would have been um, maybe a little bit higher than that, or at least higher than, you know, than Derrick Henry. So, or, or, you know, Jonathan Taylor, even Jonathan Taylor was, you know, 45% owned. So, so yeah, I think it's, uh, I'm not one of those ownership guys. Like, I don't know kind of how that stuff works as far as what, what drives it and all that. But, um, but yeah, I think, I thought it was interesting to see Henry at 71%. Yeah, uh, Mike, you mentioned Nick Chubb. Uh, he was at 32%. Were you expecting him to be significantly higher than that, kind of in the same vein as Derrick Henry? No, and maybe I'm off base. I, I thought it would be lower. I thought more people would be off Cleveland. I thought the NFC gave you two teams to dislike almost equally. And to be contrarian, maybe somebody would have wanted to be one and one. I think the Steelers just were not convincing enough as a good team, you know, like, like the saints were like Tampa Bay. I think, I think that ultimately came down to that. I mean, Chubb is great, but you do have Kareem hunt there. You do have Landry. How were they going to get there? We did talk about Chubb. Would he score in this game? When we talked on the podcast, I, I guess I just didn't think Cleveland would be as popular. And, and like I said, I think now, I feel like it's the thing that's going to get me beat is, is uh, not being on the Browns. I mean, if they lose in Kansas city as expected, there's still probably two, three touchdowns there. Yeah. That, that's the thing too, is, is if you, that's why it's kind of hard to tell we were talking and I don't know, Matt, if we're going to get into like where our teams stand or anything like that, but we were talking about like, you know, if the Redskins, for example, like even if they win, uh, against Tampa or the, the next game, are they, are they going to put up any points against Tampa? Are they going to do anything than whoever they face in the second game? So I think that that was kind of what, what I thought a lot of people would feel about, about with the Browns, you know, you know, even if they do win, you know, the next, are they going to score a lot of points? Is it going to be low scoring. And if they do win, are they going to have a, a good game next game? So I think luckily enough, like we didn't have, we didn't have Browns, but luckily enough, all we had all the Steelers that we did have, I mean, they all went crazy, so at least you weren't, you know, out, out in the cold there. I think that, to, to me, Nick Chubb was the pick in a similar vein as Cam Akers in that if the team was going to win, it was going to be through him and it was going to be a good performance for him. I mean, Cam Akers turned out to be just around 10% owned, like I said, but he was the highest owned position player among Rams. People faded the Rams more than the Browns here. Uh, the defense was the highest on rammed by a long shot and everybody else was at Cam Akers level or lower. So, I mean, I, I guess Nick, Nick Chubb didn't really surprise me to the level he went. Kareem Hunt might turn out to be the gem from the Browns because he only made it onto 2% of rosters. And obviously that means it doesn't matter for most of us because almost all of us missed out on it. But that 2% of rosters got a pair of touchdowns from Kareem Hunt. Now they get him in a matchup that's going to be positive for not just Nick Chubb, but maybe more positive for Kareem Hunt. And we'll get into that specific game later. Yeah, that was probably the way that was going to happen is how it happened, which is through the air, right? I mean, Pittsburgh did not give up rushing and you had Chubb there, but they just it just worked out that way. You know, I, I think um, I'm, I'm excited that, that Akers did work out the way he did. I mean, it, it really was incumbent on the – Rams defense stopping Seattle and the game played out in such a way that 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 happened and it enabled him to 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 pile up stats. So that was pretty good, but the odds I I'm new to these contests, but the odds are sort of my I don't know, my guide in these and the Rams were only a 3-point underdog and the Browns were double that. So um it always it always smelled the whole week to me like the Rams. I I I told you, I thought it was odd that you could bet that game all week with the uncertainty that there was about golf. And what that said to me was that the betters don't care whether he plays. And of course, 
you know, what would have happened had Wolford not been injured? We don't know. Like he, he wasn't going to play in the game golf. So I, I feel like the, the betters were saying, we don't care who the Ram quarterback is. And uh, I, maybe the public didn't pick up on that. And I certainly don't think Jared Goff came in and improved the offense. Uh, so maybe what we real all what we what we all really did was overrate Russell Wilson at this point. I mean, I've been talking this in the whole second half of the season about how the old Russell Wilson is still in there. No, he's not. He's not coming out. They've been terrible. And then we get to the playoffs, and I'm like, yeah, it's Russell Wilson. The the Rams don't have their quarterback. I'm going to go ahead and believe in him instead of just you know looking at what's been happening for half a season now. Well, you know, they fired their coordinator tonight. Finally. <laughs> who had been getting calls to for head coach interviews, by the way? <laughs> Ryan, Ryan Schottenheimer, who for years got criticized for being too run heavy, a day after Pete Carroll says, we need to run the ball more, I know you're not going to like it. Like, did Schottenheimer, that would be a big irony if Schottenheimer got fired because he didn't want to run the ball more. But in the first half of the season, they were lights out. They were the most pass-heavy team in the NFL, and it completely, it completely changed. Yeah, for sure. And kind of back to the Acres point, or for our Acres team, you know, we we didn't. I don't think we had any teams get eight skill guys through. But um, one of the teams, I think we had a couple of seven guys through, and one of those is is an Acres team. So um, that's always. And again, that's kind of what it's all about, right? It's it's just getting getting the right guys, the right combination of guys, and the right teams. And um, it's 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 still early. I think um, oh, Fantasy yeah. Mojo posted something today about how you know it's still early. You still really won't know until after this weekend. So you know if we get another, you know if if the Rams win, then we're you know and we get a couple of guys through. I think that's when we can start to start to look forward. I I similarly am open to that. I think they are alive again. I think they're being just sort of dismissed again. I don't think Green Bay is great. Ronald Jones is on our <laughs> Acres lineup, and if that team does well. Otherwise, and he just doesn't play again. And I don't know. That's probably that's likely, isn't it? I, I don't know what's going to happen there, but that's super frustrating. What were you supposed to do about that? <laughs> Nothing. I mean, just it's just so typical. It's just typical with that whole Ronald Jones situation. It's always something, right? But uh, and I and I love Ronald Jones. You know, Mike, you and I have talked about him for months and months. You know, I you know I love you know I, I mean love him in respect to where we were drafting him. But yeah, it's I know. Wouldn't that be? But listen, if they can if they if they can both win, right? Uh, we get Ron, and Ronald Jones plays. Yes. Uh, how, how how bad is the injury? I mean, do we even do we even know? Bad enough to keep him out of a wild card playoff game for the entirety. <laughs> yeah, he never saw the field. And you know what? Like that should have been good. I mean, with with that game, the district right. Evans plays. The distribution is such that you sort of are tempted to stay away from all of them, all those receivers. Yep. And they all did a little bit, but you would have been right. I mean, if if Jones had had Fournette's game, that's beautiful. And I'm on Gronkowski on one team also. And that's, I can't blame anybody for that. They just ended up using two tight ends a lot in that game to help block that Washington defense. And it was great. Gronkowski blocked all night. So that, that, that to me is something that that was a, that was a miss in the strategy. Yeah. I mean, he blocked more than he usually does in that game. It could have been foreseeable because they're playing Washington with a tough front four, but all season we've kind of been, looking at Rob Gronkowski and thinking if he doesn't score a touchdown, he's got a low floor. So maybe that was a possibility, but it was about as poor as it possibly could have been for Gronkowski in that game. Could change here, although New Orleans has not been a good matchup for tight ends anyway. 
And it also cuts into Antonio Brown. I mean, that's who goes off the field. Godwin had a playable night, and he dropped five passes. <laughs> he, he dropped four in his career uh, before this game. But, you know, if you if you pick Godwin, and we did a little bit of that, then you, you got away with it. But you're, you're right. I don't want to beat myself up on the, the Gronkowski thing. It's just that, that was a story going into that game, wasn't it? That I, I thought Washington was a per- – was interesting in that game and their defense and starting with their defensive line was why. And so I guess I should have thought of what Tampa was going to do about that, but there's all, that's what always happens in these things. That's what always happens. You get through, uh, you know, one, one set of games and you're like, why didn't I think of this? Well, not only, but you know, it's, it's, it's not over, right? It's not like you, he busted and we lost, you know, he Tampa made it through. He could have, you know, it's, it's who knows he could have 10 for, 10 for 102 scores in the next game. He probably won't, but then you're like, oh, sweet. Nobody else had him, and he got two games worth of production in one game. So yeah. uh, they made they, they, they made it through. That's 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 the key. Something else that surprised me about the ownership rates in this contest is uh, Josh Allen being more than double the ownership of any other quarterback and Stephon Diggs still being 15 percentage points behind Devontae Adams among receivers. I guess I would have expected – those rates to be the other way where Diggs was really close to Adams. Allen was, you know, I'm, I'm not shocked that he's the leader, but he's, he's a good, I think 14 to 16 percentage points ahead of Patrick Mahomes, who I believe is the next quarterback. That gap surprised me. Yeah, me too. I mean, the bills must've convinced a lot of people by their scoring and that extra game as a touchdown favorite, a home team for at least one more game. If they win, and it, that totally worked out. I mean, that's been the story with Allen this year, right? Like he had a kind of a tough game and he scored 32 points <laughs> or, or something like that. You know, that's reminiscent of Jackson last year. You're right. Allen, 37%, Mahomes, 16. I think it's that extra game, Matt, is really what I think it is. Oh, yeah. and, and I think we were talking about that in the podcast last week is usually these stud quarterbacks have a, have, have a bye and you got to kind of wait around to get them. Well, this year with only one bye per conference – with the, with the shot of getting that. And, and ke- people were kind of like, there was, there's been kind of whispers maybe because I'm in Western New York, but there's whispers about like, Hey, maybe the bills can beat, can beat the chiefs. You know, now I would have much rather played the Steelers this week for the bills, uh, obviously. And that's kind of what I thought was going to happen, but unfortunately it's not, it's going to be an e- easy of a game for the bills to get, get through the next round. How do you think of, what do you think of how Tyreek Hill fell? I mean, he was behind Antonio Brown in ownership. One, one factor that probably has something to do with the Allen point is that Kelsey is a tight end as opposed to a receiver. And so tight end was Kelsey or, you know, throw a dart and wide receiver. You could have done a lot of things. So it, it was probably, well, it was much more of a popular idea to go Allen Kelsey than Mahomes digs mm-hmm. or I think, right. Yeah. And actually um, finishing, I'm looking at it right now. The, the, um, the most common lineup was actually um, was Kelsey Oh, I'm sorry. I thought they had. Um, oh, I'm sorry. I, I thought they had another tight end in that in that roster. No, it was just Kelsey. But, um, but yeah, it's 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 interesting about that. And that was kind of what I was saying. I, I really like the idea of going Brady, and then you could get in Kelsey, and you can get in um, Diggs to the lineup. And um, what was interesting too is that the Bills were the least faded team in the entire contest. So I think that's why you have such big ownership with Allen and Diggs. Is um, they were faded in the $200 contest 0.86% of the time, and in the $35 contest 1.2. It was the lowest on, on both. It was the lowest total, but 
Um, Kansas City had a .43 in the two hundred uh, the two hundred dollar contest, but uh, so yeah, the people just weren't fading the Bills, and they were just kind of um, resting on on Allen and, uh, and and Diggs to get it done. Not fading the Bills included seven teams in this tournament choosing Antonio Williams. As mm. That plus the 27 teams with a backup kicker, those were the biggest surprises to me that you would put $100 <laughs> on the line for a lineup and then just screw it up when you're entering it. Yeah. Did anybody have D- D- Devonta Freeman? No, nobody had Devonta Freeman on there? Come on. Well – I, I was texting you guys about that because I don't know how common that is. Uh, you know how FFPC, excuse me, FFPC shows you your lineup and then whatever's in first place, right? And as yeah. I watched, I guess it would have been the Washington game. The first place team had Kari Vedvik, at <laughs> kicker, who I guess is on Washington, but he's not their kicker. Like that, that's Hopkins. That's so. Funny. There were a lot of those mistakes. Twenty-seven, I guess you counted twenty-seven backup kickers. That—that's maybe the easiest position to make that mistake, right? Defense, you can't make that mistake. <laughs> I just—I can't imagine entering a team here and then not. I looked at mine like three times, and as soon as I saw the Antonio Williams thing, I was like, "Oh crap! Did I choose him instead of Antonio Brown?" And I went back and changed. I was like, "All right, good. I didn't make that mistake. It wasn't me." So I can laugh at the people who did. Well, they—they they list them when you're choosing your lineup by points per game. And right. he came in at 21 points per game, which was, I think, second. Either that was a Bills list or whatever that was. And I I remember, like, well, he only played half a game, so it really should be more like 42 points per game sure. uh, from week 17. Now, he might actually get in. <laughs> yeah. That's true. With, That's with yeah. Hurt, He might actually get in. I know. So looking ahead a little bit, Adam mentioned that there aren't that many teams that sent eight position players through the first round. Only 3.4% of the field got eight position players through that first round, still have that many guys going. So losing one, even two, certainly not a death blow. Having Kari Vedvik in your lineup, probably not a death blow to your team. I think things that might be a death blow at this point, and again, we still have the Chiefs to play their first game, the Packers to play their first game. But if you have already lost your quarterback without a big game, I think that if you had Ben Roethlisberger in and he ended up with a huge fantasy game, so he's out, you're probably not dead. You have to get everything else right to have a chance at one of those top prizes. We had we saw the team last year that finished eighth, I believe it was, with Lamar Jackson, who had one game with not quite as many fantasy points as Ben Roethlisberger had against the Browns. But like if you have Ryan Tannehill, if you have Russell Wilson, that's about 5% of the field between those guys. I think those teams are officially dead at this point. Russell Wilson was definitely disappointing. I was just trying to think, like, who was the most disappointing player of, of the weekend? Henry. Henry, yeah. I'm thinking, yeah, Henry. Tyler Lockett is up oh, there, God. too. Like, guys that were high-owned and guys that just bombed and guys that lost. So, yeah, Henry, Lockett. Uh, again, I don't know how high Russell Wilson was owned. I think maybe you just said it, Matt. But, um, yeah, it was just – I think those guys were um, – eh, Russ was, like, the sixth quarterback, so – not too bad for 4%, but yeah, I think Lockett and uh, Henry for sure were just such, such d- d- disappointments. Matt, are you tilting over Naheem Hines at all? Like he, <laughs> he did not get in from the one had he, instead of Taylor, that's a big, that's a big swing. I almost did right there when he did not get into the end zone on that play. And then I think it was two plays later. They had Jonathan Taylor. The next play I was like, all right, just hand it to him coach. He almost scored on that one. Give it to the guy, and then Jonathan Taylor's in there. I almost turned it off at that point. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. 
maybe Montgomery is a candidate for that for most disappointing, but Henry's so high owned and you didn't even get the fall into the end zone nothing uh, in this game. So, I mean, I, I was very happy about that. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I know we have some Henry, but AJ Brown scoring right away, took the edge off. Yes. Henry was such an obvious pick that to see him do nothing in that game, you know, that's what you need. You need some of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's pretty big for, for us too. Like we don't even like to have seven, uh, teams and have Brown on AJ Brown on more than Derrick Henry. I think that's definitely a win. And, you know, and that's just, you know, you guys, especially Matt, meticulously going over them and changing, you know, Hey, let's change some Henry to AJ Brown. Like that could, that saves him into an entire roster, you know, by, by having, by getting more points there, you know? So um, yeah, I think that's definitely a win having AJ Brown over, over Henry, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see moving forward. Yeah, so speaking of moving forward, let's check into this weekend's games, which of course is going to start with the Rams at the Packers at 435 Eastern on Saturday. An even better matchup this week for Cam Akers than last week, Mike. Um, Can the Rams keep the Green Bay offense, though, in check and keep the running game central to this one like they did against Seattle? Well, if any team can, they're a good pick to do it. I mean, the Rams have a great defense. So I don't want to rule them out. I just think Green Bay played such a light schedule that I feel like in a in a tournament like this, they're a team you can you can gamble on, you know, bet you can bet against. But I, I feel like talking about the Rams this week is a lot like it felt last week. And there were all these reasons to not like them, but they are good. They were in the Super Bowl two years ago. Mm-hmm. Akers is nice. He's a high pick. He's their guy. That's fine. The quarterback isn't great, but he has good games. They went to Tampa this year. And that was Adam. This is a show we did. Like you just cannot have Jared Goff in your lineup this week at Tampa <laughs> on Monday night football. Like you just cannot live like that. And he was great in that game. So they've won a lot. The running back's good and it's a good matchup. So in terms of betting it, in a situation like this where how everybody else is going to bet matters, I can see the Rams. I I can get there. Cup is iffy for the game. He was a little bit already. Again, different. Woods could get shadowed. I I don't think I'd want to be on Robert Woods against Jair Alexander, but I I think in sort of a DFS or a a prop bet mentality, I think the two tight ends are a fun idea, and so are the Rams. Is Cup definitely out? No, no, he's not. Uh, They're they're talking about him being better. He did not practice today. I think I saw that. But they were talking about bursitis, not like a structural injury. So you might see him. Yeah, I mean, the Packers are kind of back to – yeah, the Packers run defense isn't very good. Kind of back to Jared's article here. You know, they rank 24th against against running backs. You know, so you could could get our boy Akers going again. Or Mike's boy. I'm going to give Mike all the credit for that. And then, yeah, they're they're, they're much tougher against against receivers. So – uh, and the Rams love to run the ball, so yeah, you could definitely get some get some acres going there. And yeah, the Packers are, you know, it's kind of almost like they were last year. <laughs> it's funny, the Packers go thirteen and three this year. Is that what they ended up going? Uh, that was their record last year, and it might have been again. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, because I think everyone's saying last year. Well, there's you know, there's no way the Packers are going to go thirteen and three again. They're not going to be able to take that by. They're not going to be able to run the ball. But here they are again, thirteen and three, and and kind of doing what they wanted. But yeah, it's just hard to like close your eyes and imagine like, man, if they can somehow slow down Devontae Adams, um, if the, if the Rams can, which I think they can, um, you know, how do you not uh, 
how do you not see them having a good chance to win? Uh, what's what's the spread, Mike? I'm looking here. I know you're usually in on those. Six and a half and 45 and a half. So you're looking at, what, uh, 26, 20, 25 and a half, 19 and a half, that kind yeah. of game. Ugly game. Um, I like Aaron Jones. I liked him in this tournament because I think maybe Jared said this last week that what are we looking at with green? Are we, are we basing our numbers on games where he plays less often than he would in a playoff game? I think his volume should go up. They throw it to him. I think he could be really good uh, here, but I'd wonder about as good as he is and as good as Rogers is, I, I would, I would worry, not, not worry. Adams is probably fine, but it's not a cake, uh, a cake situation at all. Yeah, you could see Devontae Adams not being fine in this game um, So uh, w- with that matchup with Jalen Ramsey, and he's probably going to see a shadow. I-, I think for Green Bay, if you're deciding on something like the playoff challenge here where you're picking one Packer, it- it's going to be Adams or Aaron Jones for me. I'm throwing out Aaron Rodgers because, like you said, Mike, I- I'm not necessarily betting on the Packers losing this weekend, but I could see it. And the the NFC just looks wide open to me at this point. So when there's such a gap between Devontae Adams and almost all of the rest of the wide receivers, I would take him. I would go to Aaron Jones because there aren't that many running backs available, and there are plenty of quarterbacks. So I'm going to throw out Aaron Rodgers, and I'm going to consider those two. Back to the Rams side, though, I wonder if Cam Akers is going to suddenly be one of the most popular running backs this week now that people are playing at least two of them, and there really aren't that many attractive running back options left. And, you know, one of them is Aaron Jones, where you're going to want to play Devontae Adams. So – I wonder if Cam Akers is going to get to like, I don't know, 60% ownership in this round of it. And then suddenly Robert Woods becomes the guy. Because what if the game does go the way that Vegas is projecting this time and the Rams fall way behind and they lose by a touchdown and the Rams are trailing and Jared Goff's thumb is in just enough better shape that they're throwing the ball more. Robert Woods didn't have much of a game last week, but he did see nine targets. Uh, scored late in that game. I'm sorry, Cooper Cup saw nine targets. Robert Woods scored late in that game. So they both ended up with passable games. I don't know. I I wonder if maybe we end up with more passing in this one because the Rams are trailing and chasing. Yeah, Akers is definitely the obvious play now on that team because of Goff's injury, because of Jair Alexander. If Cup isn't ruled out, I think you go back and forth there. Cup is kind of a fun idea because he looked bad. The injury looked bad, but... Yeah, I think I, I agree. I think on the Rams, Acres is definitely the obvious play, and um, you want to see, you expect to see Green Bay maybe play three games at this point. So uh, if the Rams lose, that's the kind of play you would make. A little bit like playing Jonathan Taylor was. Adam, I wonder if Mike's getting too deep in this now that he's saying uh, Cooper Cup is fun because his knee looks so bad. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I remember I was on uh, Mike's show like the beginning of the fantasy year, and I was. I was kind of disgusted with myself when I said uh, when when Marlon Mack got hurt and I was hands raised screaming at the top of my lungs for Jonathan Taylor. But now Mike's into it. He's he's he's, oh. he's in the thick of it. I'm always looking for the plays somebody else isn't going to think of, and I I try way too hard at that. But <laughs> Cup limps off, and so he's he's perfectly primed for you know uh, exciting underdog play. If I'm setting one lineup, there is no way that I could take a shot on Cooper Cup and his bum knee. <laughs> but if I'm setting multiple, it definitely gets interesting. I could How about ser- three. How many? How many would it take? Three. <laughs> it would probably take three. It would probably take three because two. I could see Robert Woods. I could see Robert Woods in one. If I had a second one, I'd probably have to go Cam Akers because I would be a little scared to fade that. But at least there, I, I think I would have a decision to make because I, th- I think it's a little bit. 
I don't know, less cut and dried this week for who I would lean on. Well, this work is this is work I haven't done, but Alexander will be on Woods. And so I was just going to ask you that. Have you read that somewhere? No, but I just feel like it's it's obvious with the play, like the position he plays and the cup injury. And they do like to put one they're him on one guy. Like, I I think that that's likely. How about that? And so what I want to look up is second wide receivers against the Packers. And if there's any meat there, then I would get to Cooper Cup. But I also might need three teams. There's three of us, by the way. <laughs> Josh Reynolds, Mike. That that's what you're saying. Reynolds, we <laughs> liked him, right? That was against yep. Seattle. What did Reynolds get? Wasn't there Jefferson too? What did what did the rest of them do against Seattle? I mean, there wasn't much passing to go around for all the Rams, so I don't think any uh, right. guys were doing anything. Not a, not any targets for Josh Reynolds. A 59% playing time. And they've been going a lot more double tight end lately. I think they'll probably do that as much as they can against Green Bay. My thing for Robert Woods is that I, I do think, think that he'll see the most of Jair Alexander when they're at full strength. They are moving everybody around, so Robert Woods does spend a decent amount of time in the slot. And Jair Alexander does not usually go into the slot. So I think there there could be enough there with the extra tight ends, with the question on Jared Goff. You know, it's certainly not, it's certainly uneasy. I think the only reason that I'm even worried about weighing these guys against each other is that now I know I have to pick an offensive guy. And that's what finally makes it interesting. Whereas last week it was, it was nerve wracking to pick any Rams. Cup and Woods were the only receivers that had any targets. That's crazy. Because then you had Akers and Malcolm Brown with a couple targets each and Higby and Everett with a couple targets each and the yards adds up. So yeah, man, it was just, it was Cup with nine targets, Woods with eight with eight targets. So um, they, they only threw for 180 yards. So it's a Cam Akers for, for, for sure if I had to pick a guy from the Rams, especially with with the running back position the way that it is. And that's why you're scared to go away from is all those <laughs> all those rushing attempts. They want to run. They want to have two tight ends in there now, and they would like to keep it on the ground in this game. Yep. Ravens at the Bills the next one of the weekend. I would imagine you guys are a little bit excited about it. There's a lot of talk. And, you know, before last weekend about how the Ravens are the team in these playoffs that you don't want to face. I still think that's overblown. And I think last week is a good example. They scored 20 points last week against one of the league's weakest defenses. Lamar Jackson did have a season high of 136 rushing yards, season high tying 16 carries. He also took five sacks against a defense that had 19 total sacks during the regular season. So, uh, Mike, what's your view of this Baltimore-Buffalo matchup? Yeah, it's so good. I mean, it's just so good. The the contrast in styles, the Bills that just overnight became a pass-happy team and can score like they can score. Baltimore, it's easy to sort of see the flaws, if that's the right word. It's not it's not the right word. You can sort of see the the why the questions are the questions about Baltimore on offense, including the quarterback, but they always get there and they almost always win. They're, they're seventh in the league in points. They were first in the league in points last year. They were like second in the league this year in defense. All I hear about is why they can lose, but they almost never lose. And so if they get their 24 points, that's the game script. That's the implied total somewhere in there, 24 points. You know they're going to do it by running all the time. You know they're going to do it by throwing four-yard passes to Mark Andrews and Willie Sneed, but they do it. The Bills do not seem to me like a team that's especially equipped to prevent that. You know, you you sort of want that from your opponent. You you want the little stuff in in this era of the league. 
So I, I guess I think Baltimore gets there, and the game comes down to whether the Bills can hit those two big plays. They lost to the Ravens last year in a seven-point game. Maybe the simplest way to describe it was that they missed on those plays. They were there, and they tried for them, but Allen missed, and he was a different guy last year. He missed those throws all year, and this year he's making them all year. So you might have weather in the game. I want to trust Jackson. I want to trust Dobbins. Even Andrews, uh, I guess. And Marquise Brown is coming off a really nice week, and he's had a really good two months. So I feel like maybe Baltimore is pretty safe, and Diggs is seemingly very, he's, he's, he's perfectly safe the way he's played this year. Allen seems to get his points in the end, and I probably haven't even answered your question. In the end, it's a one-point spread, and it makes sense. It's 1-50. in 50. So you're I, looking at what, 26-25 in that neighborhood. I was shocked that it's only a one point spread in this game. I would I would think that it would be three with Buffalo at home, but I I mean everybody loves what the Ravens are doing lately. I just I I, I don't know. I have this concern. Their five game winning streak to close out the season was all against Patsies, and then they played a tough one against Tennessee last week. They you know they pulled it out. They kind of controlled it after Tennessee jumped out to an early lead. I don't know. This just looks to me more like a, a flawed team than a team that that always gets there. And it's like the things that they were doing last year that were always working. Lamar Jackson was hitting deep stuff. He had the high passing touchdown rate. That's not this year. I mean, late in this season, it was the rushing that got him there. And obviously, that's always part of the, the puzzle for him. Adam, I'm sure that you're not comfortable because you're a Bills fan heading into the second round of the playoffs. But what do you see in this game? So much to unpack. So last week, right? So the Ravens down 10 nothing, look like garbage, three and outs. Lamar Jackson throws a bad pick. You know, Titans, you know, 30th against quarterbacks, 26th against running backs, 32nd against receivers. Like, just not a good defense, right? Um, and then bang, 50-something yard touchdown run from Lamar, Lamar Jackson. And that's basically what you can – expect or if if the Ravens win it's going to be that it's going to be three and outs and three and outs and a 50 yard run by Lamar Jackson and then a bad interception and then a 60 yard run by by Lamar Jackson you know so that's I think if the Ravens can get there I think that's going to be how it is I mean even last week you know you look at the Ravens they had um Mar Marquise Brown seven for 109 Willie Sneed two for nine and that's it from from the receiver position. Mark Andrews four for four for for forty one. You know Lamar Jackson threw for a hundred and eighty yards last year when they beat the Bills. He threw for like a hundred and I don't know. Mike probably knows one forty one fifty. It was lower. Yeah, it was lower. Yeah. And he ran for fifty in that and game. It, right, he ran for fifty. It's like they always find a way to get there. Um, and their defense. Now, what's interesting is so you know Allen against Indy. Indy runs this this really great zone defense that's like a shell and it and it, and it, and it works really well and uh josh doesn't do well against those type defenses and they made him do things like if they said hey hey we're gonna go into this game and we're gonna make josh allen run all over the field and make perfect throws to their fourth string receiver on, on, on the sidelines you know so i think they they had the right scheme the ravens play man and they blitz more than anybody or almost as much as anybody. I think it is the most in the entire league. And I think Allen's going to be able to, and, and Dave, um, Dave are going to be able to pick that defense apart. So I would be surprised if the bills don't get to 30 points. I mean, the last two games when teams have tried to blitz the bills, it's been deep touchdowns down the sidelines. So um, I think they'll get more sacks. I think they'll get their sacks, but I think the bills will get their big, their big plays. 
if they can somehow keep Lamar from getting those 60 yard runs, I think they're going to win. And I think they're going to win. I think they're going to cover, cover the spread too. You know, it's, it's interesting that the spread's so low. That means, that means on a neutral field, they think, um, I think Baltimore would, would, would win. I think as well, what is it? Is it two? Is that One. what it is? One. It's, yeah. it's, it's leaning a little bit, but look at the end of the day, the numbers are my truth and yeah. the numbers always love Baltimore. They just do like they get their points, they make their stops and it's so counterintuitive because it's a passing era and you know, they do it here and there, but it's just not their team. So it's really hard for me to go against the Ravens because they couldn't make the spreads big enough. When do they ever lose? Who do they lose to? They lost to Pittsburgh when they had, they threw four, they had four turnovers. They were always inside the 20 yard line the whole day. The Tennessee playoff game was just turnovers. If you look at their drives, they always drive the field. I mean, I sh- shouldn't say always, but it's also wrong to say they're always three and out. You know, like the numbers always, every week this year, it felt like it was every week. I would look at the spreads and I couldn't believe the Baltimore number. Like it was always bigger than I expected it to be. And this yeah. week you might be saying, might be thinking the same thing, but like, how did they do? They, they lost a game with Robert Griffin at quarterback. They lost a game to the Steelers on turnovers. They lost to the chiefs. The new England loss was in the worst rainstorm I think I've ever seen in an NFL game. Yeah. And that's almost, that's the list. Like they just get there. So it's really hard for me to pick against them. It's usually been right to not do it. And I think the Bills will have to have almost their best game, which of course is possible. Like they've been great this year. If they're that on Saturday night, they can win. I think if they're not, they'll lose. For for, for the Bills' sake and for fantasy purposes, I hope that the weather is 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 good. I mean, we're not hearing anything horrible, but you know, whenever you've got a, a, a high scoring offense like the Bills that's flinging the ball all over the field, you don't want elements right that's the greatest equalizer so i think even though lamar jackson admitted today that he's never played uh in what is it snow i think he said or bad or whatever he was saying today it should be it should be windy and it might snow like that that's a real possibility saturday night which maybe both teams would prefer it not to be but that's what we're looking at yeah so if we can get decent decent weather i just like the bill's chances to hit that hit on some big plays and they're just gonna have to you know, they're going to have to keep keep Lamar from, from two or three huge plays. So if we're picking one guy for an FFPC lineup, I think on the Bills side, it, it doesn't change from last week. It's Stephon Diggs or it's Josh Allen, and you're just deciding between those two. There's Devin Singletary gets a little bit more interesting because Zach Moss is now out for the rest of the playoffs. But, I mean, I would have to have probably – at least five teams to put Singletary on one. And even then I'd probably change it the morning of that first game. I would want to be on Jackson. Yeah. Um, I felt this way a little bit last week, but it was that one more game. They had a tougher matchup. It was harder to get there in my mind, but I feel like if you're on him, they're an underdog. And if they win, what is he probably giving you? 30? I think it's easier to go Jackson and then Diggs. Yes. Um, at this point. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Uh, I, I think Allen, it's going to have the best fantasy night, but I think if you got to pick one from each team, um, I'm going, I'm going, um, Jackson and I'm going Diggs. The Ravens might be the most difficult team for me to pick a player from for this round, because I, I don't think they're going to win. I certainly think that they could, uh, I'm sorry, I will not argue that, but 
I like the quarterbacks on the other side, and there are other options, other positions for the Ravens. I don't feel comfy with any of them, though. Marquise Brown was excellent last week. It was also his best receiving line of the entire season. He was only on 7% of playoff challenge rosters, by the way, so lots of teams got a boost from him and are hoping he gets through this round. J.K. Dobbins scored a touchdown again for the seventh straight game, but he only got nine carries. So, I mean, he could disappear. His value could evaporate at any moment. Mark Andrews didn't do much against the Bills last year. Had just four catches last week. That's okay. He got a quarter of their targets in that game. Last year, that game against the Bills, though, Ravens tight ends, three of them combined for six catches, 97 yards, two touchdowns. Hayden Hurst was the top point getter there. Nick Boyle also scored a touchdown. The Bills have kind of been all over the place as a tight end matchup this year. They started the season a little bit weaker, but with Matt Milano healthier, I think that they're a tougher matchup there. I don't know how much that factors in here when you're picking a tight end. If you don't have Travis Kelsey, I think Mark Andrews is still the next best option, but I don't know. I guess it's a factor when you're deciding whether Mark Andrews is going to be your tight end or you're taking a shot on somebody else. Yeah, I, I don't love the Bills against the tight end, but you're right. It has been up and down. Uh, Gesicki is one guy who really gave him a tough day, but that's a long time ago. I think, do you not agree? I think if you just you end up in that place where you don't know what to do, take the biggest long shot you can stomach. Maybe that's Sneed. Maybe that's maybe that's Gus Edwards. Probably not Gus Edwards. It could be Dobbins, but Dobbins will have some share. It, you know, if you have a team where there's a few different outcomes. Now, one sort of rule of thumb in last week's teams was stay try to avoid the temptation of the number two receiver. And I think if you did if you did that, you were rewarded. Deontay Johnson was still fine. Metcalf, you know, even with Jalen Ramsey. And there were a couple other ones too. Evans Godwin, you know, you if you don't want to don't don't reach for Corey Davis when you can pick AJ Brown, right? Like the, the number one receiver is pretty much rewarded you. So maybe the answer there it ends up back at Hollywood Brown if you want to subscribe to that. But I, I sort of like the feeling of if I, I just am wide open here. I felt this way about the Bucks last week. I said it. Like I just don't know what I want to do with Tampa Bay. So then that led me a little bit to Gronkowski. Like just let me let's take a shot. I mean, if you got to Brait, congratulations. All those backup kicker teams, no Brait. Yeah. Even with a tight end premium, not one out of 6,250 teams, not one Brait, even by mistake. Yeah. Backup kickers and no Brait. That's that's funny. But yeah, no I think if I if I had to if I had to pick a skill guy, I'm 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 landing on Andrews because again, uh, you know, the Bills never give up deep passes ever. And I think that's that's Marquise Brown's thing. I th- I think it's su- supposed to be. So yeah, it'll be it'll it'll be interesting. But I think Andrews is probably going to get there fantasy wise, especially if the Bills win because the the Ravens are going to have to throw. So the Ravens are an interesting and difficult team to pick. Uh, so we'll, we'll see where we land. Browns at the Chiefs, the first game on Sunday. Nick Chubb bound to be fairly popular this round, I think, along the lines of Cam Akers. Of course, he was more popular than Cam Akers last round. Thirty-two percent owned in the FFPC playoff challenge. Now you have to pick a player from every team, Mike. So you're picking somebody from the Browns. Nick Chubb is going to be the easiest one to land on. Would he be yours in this matchup with the Chiefs? Probably not. I don't know Chiefs against the run, but I I like the feeling of the Chiefs. I like the one seed that gets questioned because they haven't played their guys in a couple of weeks and they played close games against Denver. I feel like the Chiefs could explode here. And so if that happens, 
I don't know if it's even Landry. You got to pick somebody. Kareem Hunt would be more interesting to me. I'd feel like maybe Chubb was obvious. So uh, I think for the second week in a row, I'd end up off of him, and I'm 0-1 on that. There's obviously the chance Nick Chubb could go off in this game, and we all know that Kansas City plays the run much weaker than the pass. But uh, the matchup is at least as good for Kareem Hunt as well. 50.7% of the running back PPR points that the Chiefs allowed this year came via receptions. That is the third largest share in the league. Now, things kind of balance between Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt in terms of involvement in the passing game in the second half. But I would still say that Kareem Hunt is the higher ceiling receiver. I would lean away from picking Nick Chubb because we're going to have to take a stand on some player here. I think it would be Kareem Hunt if I'm going a Browns running back, and it would be him or Jarvis Landry for me among Browns. What about you, Adam? Yeah, I, I'm going with with the running back um, over Landry because I think it's either going to be Chubb-Hunt combo or it's going to be nothing. Um, Chiefs 28th against running backs this year, 27th against tight ends, and 4th against receivers. So isn't that perfect for what Cleveland wants to do, right? They want to run the ball. They want to pass to the running back. They want to go play action to, to the tight end, to Cooper and Joku and the rookie um, there. And it's just it just it fits in perfectly for exactly what they want to do. If they can do it, we're going to, we're going to see, but I just think, um, I think it's a, it's, it's, it's Chubb or, or hunt obviously. And I think I would lean Chubb. Like if there's no, if you know, if you're not worried about ownership percentages, if you're just worried about who you think is going to have the best game against the chiefs. I think it is going to be Chubb. Chubb, Chubb can catch the ball too. You know, we had that catch and run like 60 yard or whatever, whatever that was. Um, so yeah, I think, I, I think I'm going to be on, I would be on Chubb if I, if I was making a lineup. Is there a Hooper case? Maybe you go Tyree Kill or Mahomes, and Hooper had seven. Did he have a score too? I think he did, right on Sunday night. Like he's capable of that again. He's capable of that. What's Kansas City against tight ends? Do we care? Weak. Uh, yeah, against tight ends. They're on wide receivers, and they are on tight ends. So yeah, I certainly think there's a case for Hooper. Yeah. Mayfield likes him. That's been working. Uh, I would not get to Njoku, but Hooper is probably good for five or six. Maybe I wonder what his prop would be. We can you, you take that to the end of the week, but I would be kind of fishing with the Browns. Sure. On the Chiefs side, still you know Travis Kelsey, Tyree Kill, Patrick Mahomes. You have to decide whether you want Kelsey or not. The other guys are going to be well behind him in ownership rate. I'm curious to see the practice reports on Clyde Edwards Lair. I don't think I could get to him in a, any playoff challenge lineup, no matter how many of them I played. He's just a, a DFS guy for me this week. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it's never really worked yet. I don't even have a, a section of games where Edwards Hilaire was like the play. So um, I don't know. It's Mahomes, it's Mahomes' team for me. It could work, but I, I would I don't think I could get there. I think they're a team that I want to be smart, safe, Hill, Kelsey. I mean, Mahomes before Hill, but like th- those guys – are my my choices with the Chiefs? That's the I think that's the whole list. Yeah, I'm going. With, I would go with them too. You know, they've been they've been off for a couple of weeks. They're cho- they're going to be chopping at the bit to run all their little trick, fancy little plays and run around out there and sling it. So yeah, I think it's going to be a big game for all three of them. And I think Kansas City wins pretty good in this. Bucks at the Saints to close things out. I think the Saints are still fairly obvious. It's Alvin Kamara. It's Mal- Michael Thomas. Alvin Kamara was the highest owned player last week, even though when we set the lineups, we didn't know for sure that he was going to play. It seemed likely, so that helped. But uh, now that we're for sure, uh, he might even be higher 
than he was in the mid seventies last week. And it, it makes sense. It's him or Michael Thomas, Michael Thomas, if you want to take a chance, but there's really no strong case against Alvin Kamara. I don't think when we have this crew that's left and not a whole lot of attractive options at running back, the bucks, Again, the issue is who do you pick among the wide receivers? Mike Evans returned nicely last week. Six catches for 119 on 10 targets after that knee injury. So it's him, it's Chris Godwin, it's Antonio Brown. Mike, is Rob Gronkowski in consideration if you're setting a brand new lineup this week? No, I hate him now. No, I'm too (laughs) mad. I, I don't know what kind of personnel they'll want to be in, but they were successful last week. Is Breeze somebody you would think about now? If the if you like the Rams, then you can get to Breeze for a rematch that's been waiting to happen, the Rams and the Saints, for the NFC Championship two years after that call uh, against New Orleans. Like, if they're at home again, Kamara uh, makes all the sense in the world, and that's probably right. Thomas, for his part, because he was kind of an unknown too. He'd been hurt, and some rumors about – anger between players and problems with the Saints. But Thomas gave you a game last week, and maybe you feel a little bit more comfortable than you would have a week ago about him, irrespective of the matchup. But I wonder if they're like if you want to if you want to end up on just like skill position players on the other side, New Orleans has always been one of the likeliest teams to make it all the way. And with Seattle losing, maybe it's a little easier. Arguably not. I, I wonder if I just want to know if there's a a path to Breeze. Maybe there isn't. Yeah, I mean, I think there's definitely a path to to Breeze. I think they might have. I don't want to say they, they they lucked out, but they they own the Bucks this this year. You know, so I think that that definitely works in their in, in their favor. Um, and I think it, you know if if that if that continues, you know, they're going to continue to do the same thing. But my my guy would be my, Michael Thomas. Um, I think that, uh, you know, I guess regardless, it depends on ownership percentages and all that. But we've got a Bucks team that's 22nd against against receivers, 23rd against, against tight ends. So we knew that was going to be a possibility kind of last week when we were talking about building the lineups. And uh, me mentioning maybe if, if you had 10 teams, maybe throwing a Jared Cook in there. I think he went four for 40 last week. Um, and now he's got a pretty good tight end defense here. But obviously, I'm not, if I have to pick one, I'm not taking him over. Over Michael Thomas or Kamara, but I think with the Bucks being third in the league against running backs, um, and I don't know. I think that's just fantasy points. So I don't know if they're if they're uh, worse against receiving, uh, you know, receiving backs. I think uh, Kamara only had like 187 carries this year or something like that. So he does most of his damage through, through, through the air. It was sick too to watch him get stuffed at the goal line three straight times last week too. Um, but um, yeah, I think I'm leaning Michael Thomas with the matchup against the Bucks secondary. Um, and then hoping for a, for, for a shootout against against Green Bay if Green Bay go, goes through. Drew Brees is probably fourth on my quarterback list this week behind Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, and Lamar Jackson because I do think that if the Ravens win, it's going to be a big Lamar Jackson game, and it's quite possible that he has a big game even if they lose to the Bills. So I still think the AFC is more top-heavy than the NFC. Drew Brees passes Tom Brady on the NFC side for me, though, because of the way the matchups fell here. Tom Brady had two of his worst passer ratings of the season against the Saints. He had five interceptions in those two games. He had 12 all year. So the Saints grabbed 41.7% of all of his INTs this year. Maybe things go dramatically different this time around, but I would lean away from him here. So I think that there's a path to breeze, you know, depending on how many teams you play. 
but uh, it would most likely be Camaro or Michael Thomas on the New Orleans side for me. And then for the Bucks, I mean, I'm throwing a darter receiver. Maybe Chris Godwin's the favorite just because Mike Evans has had some trouble with Marshawn Lattimore, and he does have the knee that's still a question, even though he played well on it last week. Yeah, and Antonio Brown is tough. He gave you a game, but with the the two tight end look, that's just it. Just limits his snaps. I, I think you're right. Breeze, Aaron Jones, Acres, Chubb, Diggs, Kelsey, Landry, Godwin, Godwin, and then whoever we forgot. I think Matt had Denial Baltimore with Marshawn Lattimore. It was just he. I don't want to say he owns Mike Evans, but Mike Evans struggles mightily against him. So. Uh, if I have if I, if I'm looking for any type of way to to figure out which one I'm going to go with, if they're running 12 personnel and Mike Evans has Lattimore, Godwin and Godwin had a great you know a great fantasy game like you said he dropped like five passes but he was wide open on a bunch of those like I just think that that's could be there for for him too and it's just it's hard for me to wrap my mind around Brady getting blown out by the same team three times in one year. I and, know, right? I know. You know, it's just I mean. Hopefully Arians is flexible enough to kind of let Brady, you know, make some, tell him what needs to be done differently. But it's just, that's what, you know, I know that's not, that's not a thing to kind of bet on is not getting blown, you know, blown out by the same team three times. But I just have a gut feeling that Brady's going to play, be playing angry. Is that a, is, is that a night game? Are we getting sleepy Tom for, for that game or what, Matt? Is that Sunday night, six thirty? Oh no. It's sick. Yeah. So six forty. So it's not oh, quite okay. night. It's early bird like, dinner. Okay. Should be getting ready for 60 minutes. That's right. They have an early bird fish fry and watch 60 minutes. <laughs> I don't know. I, I guess I, I still can't reconcile on breeze. I mean, in one sense, I think you shouldn't need to do it because the AFC quarterbacks will be split up pretty, pretty nicely. And so you can play Camara in the same way you played a running back last week, just you know, for one game. You'd expect expect more for one game, but I, I don't think you should need to do it. But on the other hand, it could really go well. <laughs> I mean, Drew Brees at home and then perhaps again, uh, and then in the Super Bowl. It could it could actually go well. And you have such nice options on the AFC teams with where there there would be a lineup at the end of the day that you would like. But you, you shouldn't really need to take that risk, I think. The thing that – it definitely could happen. The thing that keeps me from liking Drew Brees too much here is that if the Saints are winning out, and that's what we would like for our quarterback, then these Saints don't want it to be with Drew Brees throwing for 330 and three or four touchdowns. They want it to be Alvin Kamara and Latavius Murray each scoring in a game, and Drew Brees only have to throw you know 27 times. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I mean, the the three AFC quarterbacks give you at least the same upside. I mean, at least just have to know which one. Mahomes is the one that you would expect to have the best odds of playing multiple games because yes. the other matchup is so close. Yeah. Well, that's going to do it for this divisional round edition of the podcast. Head over to DraftSharks.com now. You can see our full projections for the round. You can check out our lineup generator to start building your DFS lineups for the weekend. I'll be back here Friday with Jared and Tyler to preview that area. You can also find all of us on Twitter. We are at DraftSharks. Mike is at ShopeTalk, S-C-H-O-P-P Talk. Adam is at Adam underscore Krautwurst. I am at ShopDS, it's S-C-H-A-U-F. For Mike Shope, Adam Krautwurst, and the rest of the DraftSharks crew, I'm Matt Schaaf saying thanks so much for coming with us.